climate funding discussions at COP27 continue to be a thorny issue, antagonizing developing nations slate into the final week of the UN climate meeting in Egypt. Negotiation fatigue is creeping in for small island nations with a lack of support from developed nations to come to an agreement on compensating vulnerable countries for climate-fueled disasters. RNZ Pacific reporter Rachel Nath spoke with the Net Zero Ambassador for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, Raquel Mosese, beginning by asking her about some of the challenges Pacific delegates were facing in the negotiating rooms. Um, I think for us, you know, if, if there's anything that we want people to, to understand is that the, the issue of, of climate finance is really nuanced. And we're seeing that there is a mismatch between how we're talking about climate finance and what is actually needed. I think that we need to get to far more specificity around the kind of money that especially uh, Pacific Islanders and, and other small island developing states and Caribbean islands require. We need a lot of grant funding, a lot of catalytic capital that can help us to prepare projects and, and take advantage of the, the enormous amount of investment that is available in, in the uh, private market. And so we need to understand that, that there's a lot of unlocking of, of capacity that needs to take place. We also need a sustainable way forward with loss and damage. And so even if this fund is created, how is it funded? How easily is it accessed? Um, we cannot wait another six years to get it capitalized. You know, it's something that we need action on this right now. And luckily, uh, island nations are taking, taking advantage of, of different, uh, whether it's the international law of the sea or the uh, international um, court of justice to try and get some kind of action. And then finally, it is that we have a lot of solutions. I mean, the Caribbean has a lot of solutions in terms of measuring vulnerability and mapping the path forward to to, uh, becoming climate resilient. And we want to see more of those kinds of things being highlighted. We so often only hear of solutions from the global north. And I think that that's deeply unfortunate. We need to also highlight the triumphs of, of the Caribbean and the, and, and the Pacific, and I want to hear more about that. Right. So is the language around funding 100 billion commitments not enough? Leading to, again, that understanding the nuances of what's required, because if we keep talking about the 100 billion and we're not specific about what does that 100 billion entail, then I think that we are likely to continue to find a mismatch where uh, the capital markets are talking about we have money, but there are no projects. And the projects are talking about we don't have any money for these projects. The, the, the reality is that there are different kinds of, of money that we require and we need more blended finance. We need more um, philanthropic money. We need more grant-based funding. And that will help us to unlock the capacity of the uh, private capital markets. And would you say there is still hope to see the outcomes that the Pacific and the Caribbeans have been lobbying for in this past two weeks? Yes, you know, I've, I've heard some rumblings of momentum. And I think while, you know, it's not going to be complete until until it's all over, I'm really, really hopeful. Um, we, we've had some, and I can't specifically say who, but we've had some surprising allies in calling for specific action on loss and damage. So, so that's, 
that's promising. But above and beyond what the negotiators are doing, we hosted an investor forum yesterday highlighting the role of the private sector on collaboration towards things like increased parametric insurance facilities to improve our ability to recover and other things that the private sector can do to support either loss and damage or our climate adaptation. But failing that, I moderated a panel last week Friday and the governments of Antigua and Barbuda and Tuvalu uh, you know, what they're doing on the formation of the uh, COSIS, the Commission of Small Island States on Climate Change and International Law. And they're seeking redress uh, from the international, through the international law of the sea. And the government of Vanuatu is seeking an advisory opinion from the International Court of Justice. So I think what I like about where we are is that there is pressure from all sides. We're not necessarily going to just sit by idly and wait to see what the negotiators come up with. We are hopeful that they come up with something meaningful and useful, but at the same time, um, action is taking place in the private sector and action is taking place at the government level outside of the negotiation room. Finally, how can the Pacific and the Caribbeans work together to push through the common agenda? Definitely. I mean, again, things like uh, what the government of Vanuatu is doing and the collaboration between Antigua and Barbuda and Tuvalu and other Caribbean and other nations joining them. We're seeing that small island states, big ocean states have so much in common in terms of things like how we go, how we pursue blue carbon and what are the options available to us uh, to, to prevent erosion. And so there are lots of points of collaboration. We're even seeing entrepreneurship collaboration between the, the Pacific and the Caribbean. And we expect to see, especially through convenings like this, those kinds of collaborations to, to, to increase. I would say half of the events that I've participated in have been uh, Pacific, Pacific events and maybe the other half Caribbean events. So, so we see the need to collaborate. We understand the similarities that we share. And we also understand that while we are small in, in terms of population size and in terms of the size, you know, the size of our islands, we have strength in numbers. There are many of us having a very similar experience. And by working together, we can get more, more progress.